This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run on BFM 89.9, the business station. I'm Melissa Idris with Kusu Chuang and Julian Ng. 9.36 now, time for the SM Show. This is the show where we rant about what's working in markets and what's not. Today, we're going to focus on the what's not working in markets, given the alarming rise of negative rate-yielding bonds. So, $13 trillion, that's the figure now. That's the total amount of government bonds in the world that have negative yields. And this is according to uh, Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Yeah, that's right. So, um, clearly, this is very, very uh, frightening for investors because um, the whole world is a bit topsy-turvy now. Uh, investors seem to be chasing um, um, paper that belongs to bankrupt or rather very, very highly indebted nations. I think bankrupt is too strong a word. Um, most of the developed world is uh, in huge uh, uh, debt situations, um, specifically countries like Japan, um, China, Germany, uh, Switzerland, France, UK, US, Japan, Canada, Greece. These all. I just want to rent, you know, read out some of these lists. Right, the US is 104 percent of GDP in terms of debts. Switzerland 34 percent. Germany 71 percent. France 96 percent. The UK 90 percent. Uh, Japan 229 percent. Canada 92 percent. Greece 177 percent. So it's really weird because investors are chasing bond papers that are owned by nearly bankrupt or highly indebted nations. And this is a bit like the uh, 2008 global financial crisis when investors, well, basically the whole financial system was brought down by subprime mortgages which were owned by indebted individuals. This time it's indebted countries and governments, which is perhaps even scarier. Well, the thing, the argument against that is that uh, individuals don't have the right to print money, whereas the, if you talk about the U.S. government and the Japanese government, they can just turn on the printing presses, right? So right. they can print that money, inflate their way out of debt. Actually, uh, the printing of the money makes their debt a lot cheaper, uh, debt inflation. So um, that, there is a difference there, right? Uh, are you being too alarmist? Well, no, you see, the thing is, you know, in the last seven years or the last eight years, as opposed to having a natural progression of events where you allow systems to collapse and banks to go out of business and companies to basically go bankrupt, uh, you've had central banks around the world, uh, no exceptions, even Malaysia, I guess to some extent, do, in terms of easing, they've all rescued the system by printing more money, right? And uh, it's come to a point where man- many countries around the world, like the US, they've got no more firepower left. They can't cut rates anymore because it's at, it's at zero. Mm. So in certain countries, like Switzerland, I think was one of the first, Japan overtly, one of the first as well, early ones. And Germany, I think, I think on the 10-year um, Bundes- Bund- Bundesbank yields have fallen below zero. The idea mm-hmm. is that if you can't if you can't coerce people and corporations to borrow money at very, very low interest rates, I would instead pay you to borrow money. And that's that's weird because um, you know fixed income instruments are basically traditionally safe havens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go there for some kind of yield or some kind of I- income return. Whereas now, because of the demand for government bonds, um, people go there, investors go there for price appreciation. Yeah. And they they want to make a quick trade out of that. Correct. And they go to dividend yielding stocks for... Uh, returns, which is mad. This is whole world's upside down. Okay, so backtrack a little bit because you lost me halfway when at the central. I banks. didn't get you at hello. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you, I. You always had me at hello, <laughs> Chuang. Okay, but when you guys get a room. <laughs> Okay, you can you can sit there, Jules. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to negative interest rates, now from the point of the central bank making that decision to go beyond zero to go to negative interest rates, and that's where you get negative yielding debt. But the uh, question is, why do people keep buying? And you just said people are shorting this, are trying to make a quick buck from well, it. Well, it's a flight to safety. There's so much stuff going on in the world today that Cash there's so king. much fear. 
Yeah, and which is related to my previous rants on why you know uh, there's a war on cash now because they don't want you to hold. Do you know what I mean? So basically, there's a lot of fear in the system, uh, all the way from reasons like the terror attacks and ISIS and annexation of Crimea by the Russians or to the Nine Dash Line in the South China Sea and the arming, the remilitarization. And not to of mention Japan. that um, stocks are people. A lot of people feel uh, are overvalued as well, and they they don't know what to do with the money because um, the conventional wisdom is that you got to put your money to work, but are you really, if you put your money into stocks, right? There is that fear. And a big chunk of uh, the global investing population is now taking their money out and buying into the safest asset they can find. Uh, and here we are today. So it's not really uh, the pool of negative interest rates uh, in terms of jump-starting economies, but it's really the push from equities into stocks, I think. Yeah, well, it's essentially fear, Melissa, because people... People are afraid of all the things happening around the world. So they've, they've piled into so-called hist historically perceived safe haven assets like uh, government bonds and the US dollar. Even the ringgit and the MGS, the government bonds, have been getting a lot of inflows. Where I think we're at a record high in terms of percentage foreign ownership. Because we have the yields, right? The we yield do. differential between the ringgit and the US dollar is tremendous and uh, a lot of investors are trying to take advantage of so that. So the more demand for something, the higher the price goes. Mm -hmm. And conversely, because it's an inverted relationship, the higher the price of a bond, the lower the yield goes. Okay. And because there's so much demand for these uh, government bonds, that yields have been pushed below zero because of these inflows. All right, so fear, um, fear driving, driving the this, demand. Yeah. But at what point does it stop, right? So essentially, a negative yield debt is... I'm going to be losing money. So if I buy a bond with a negative yield, if I hold it to maturity, I will... Get Definitely guarantee lose money, right? Yeah. So why not, not unless um, the yields go even lower, in which case your bond price goes up. And if you're buying into a currency which is perceived to be a safe haven like the US dollar, you don't mind losing that 0.5% or negative 1.25% uh, just to avoid... Uh, other assets going uh, deeply south, like losing 30% on stocks and losing 30% yeah, so on, on an exotic currency. Yeah, so you, you're able to countenance losing less money than something else because if you put the money to something else, then you lose even more money. And, and there is also that def deflation factor, right? We don't really know what official figures are. Um, I, I don't know if we can trust headline numbers, but there is a sense that some investors are thinking there is a deflation. And if your deflation rate is high, it's actually not a bad idea to just lose zero negative 0.25% because uh, you can still buy more goods uh, if, if the rate of deflation See, this is kind high. Of thinking is what got word. us in trouble in the first place. People like <laughs> Julian Ng and all what <laughs> trouble? investment bankers, they have things, well, it's okay, we lose I'm on your cent. side, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we've established why people are going into negative yield debt. But my simple question, why, aren't, why are people still buying this? Why won't they just hold cash because if you confirm lose money if you buy a negative yield debt and, and just here, hold cash lah. and here is where I come into uh, countenance you Chuang because very little uh, very few people in the world hold actual cash I think it's something Correct. to the extent of uh, you know small percent maybe 5% Correct. maybe below 5% of um, the money that exists in, the, in this world come in the form of cash. The rest of it are in banks. You can't, if, you, if you're an international investor, if you were a George Soros like or, Ung, or, or a Warren Buffett <laughs> of the world, you can't be holding billions and billions of dollars in cash. Yeah, it most must, of these it assets, must go somewhere. Right. These, most of these assets are in you know, bricks, mortar, cement, uh, metals, and digits in your computer. Um, but there's going to be repercussions, right? Because I just want to cite one example in the US. Uh, this is the private corporation uh, retirement pension scheme, okay? Because there's a social 
these guys are heavily underfunded. Yeah. This is there's this a tri- three point four trillion dollar funding gap between the pension system and what they owe to holders, right? Because um, traditionally pensions uh, they need to make about seven, eight, you know, six, seven, eight percent returns on their very safe holdings, primarily in government debt and corporation debt. Uh, in order to make good on their promises when people retire at the end of their working life. Uh, but in America, there's a $3.4 trillion funding gap between uh, what's in the, what they have in their coffers and what they can afford to pay uh, uh, retire, retirees oh, in time to come. So all the pensioners yeah. and all their savings yeah. in there. And this I think is just one manifestation because you know, you, you've got what, 0, 1, 2% best y- yields in, in, on very safe perceived government debt. Well, I, I think the, pay. the problem lies in uh, defined contribu- uh, defined benefit pensions because defined benefit pension funds are based on promises, what the government will tell you you will receive when you retire, right? Those funds will pay prob- uh, will have problems because their liabilities remain the same. But in uh, something like the defined uh, contribution, like what the EPF is, you put in and uh, you get whatever the the risk of that investment will give you uh, at the end of the day. And this is where the inflation-deflation thing comes in because right now, inflation rates around the world are very low. Sometimes it goes uh, to to zero or or negative, uh, in which case we have a deflation situation. In, In those instances, would it hurt if you got a very low interest on a slight negative interest. This is this is that deflationary Ooh, argument drug. again, right? This is so what got us in trouble in the first but, place. Uh, but the thing, the thing is that we don't really know because uh, the question is whether we can trust those figures. Yeah, uh, and of course, this is all playing out right before our very eyes. Um, you know, this, much the same issue has been happening in Malaysia because a lot of this money has been flowing to Malaysian government debts, uh, Malaysian government bonds. Um, I think we've got something like uh, 49% of foreign ownership in MGS right now, f- record high. Um, uh, according to my numbers, uh, and we saw a quote yesterday. Uh, one Kamran Zaman, he's the CIO, that he's saying that look, uh, we've got to expect uh, lower than five percent returns on a minimum basis going forward. And this is all part of the whole issue of money flowing to government bonds. Okay, well, we'll continue that discussion on what this means for Malaysia in just a little bit. More with the SNM show next. BFM eighty nine point nine. Good morning. It's now 9.48am. You're listening to the SNM Show on the Morning Run. I'm Melissa Idris. I've got uh, Julian and Chuang here with me. Now, if you want to know a little bit more uh, of the 101 of negative interest rates, we did a current affairs on it this morning. You can download the podcast at bfm.my. That's our website. Just look under current affairs. You can just search for um, the episode on negative interest rates. But uh, we're talking about the rise of negative rates Yielding bonds this morning, $13 trillion is the amount of government bonds in the world that have negative yields. If I just want to scare you a little bit, two years ago it was zero. Two years ago it was zero. Now it's $13 trillion. That's a lot of money. That's right. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not a fixed income guy like you, Jules. But um, <laughs> neither just, am I. <laughs> I'm just trying just, to play the devil's advocate. It just seems that so much money chasing, you know, basically shonky government paper is, is really frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there is the issue of uh, the kind of systemic risk that are caused by interest rates that are that are too cheap, right? So uh, conventional wisdom again, when you have cheap interest rates, uh, it would encourage the money to go somewhere. And traditionally, it went into the real economy. But today, nobody wants to do business. Nobody wants to expand their business and spend on extra machinery, extra staff, and so on. They're putting their money into financial assets, and because of that. 
we are finding ourselves into that subprime situation again because yeah. Deutsche Bank has been named as the IMF as the greatest uh, financial risk, uh, systemic risk in the world today. Uh, the 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 risk is not. Uh, Caused by a country or a government, it's actually based on uh, Deutsche Bank. That was I find it staggering that the yeah. IMF would actually choose to name Deutsche and not, you know, negative bonds, uh, negative yielding bonds as the biggest systemic risk. When you look at it, seventy-three trillion euros in in notional der derivatives. <coughs> excuse me, derivative exposures. That's twenty times the size of Germany's GDP, and Germany is the biggest economy in the eurozone. That that's, that's about mine. four to five times uh, the the size of the U.S. economy. But that's of right. course, you can argue that um, they you you don't have to. Um, uh, you know, uh, settle that derivative amount. Uh, a lot of time, derivatives are cancelled out, right? But still, s when you talk about s uh, trillions and tens of trillions, 60, 70, 80 trillion, I mean, where do you stop, right? It's scary. You can, yeah. John, you know, all the, the names of the countries that you mentioned at the top of the, uh, um, at the, the beginning of the show, uh, countries like uh, Japan and Switzerland and Germany, and, Germany yeah. and France, all these countries that have huge debt, you said it's worrying because, you know, it's now it's not companies that are uh, problem companies, uh, companies it's problem countries but these are all developed countries Chuang are we worrying too much about this these are countries that are too big to fail well well when, when you've got this much money chasing negative yielding instruments uh, it's got to come to a head somehow and somewhere and we just outlined how social security and pension systems is just one manifestation of how it can all go wrong basically because how can you it's like the EPF right EPF gives us six percent a year on a good year and that's pretty good but they they traditionally buy a whole basket of stuff but most of it is in government bonds uh, and government bonds can't give them the kind of returns that they want you know the you know unit holders will get nothing at, at the end of the day and what about banks themselves the, how can you have a bank which doesn't make money on the loans on in fact how how can you have a situation where banks pay people to borrow money from them where how is it going to end up in pain clearly right mm -hmm. I would recommend you guys to watch uh, this movie called Requiem for the American Dream, which uh, is uh, based on interviews with Noam Chomsky, right? And uh, the takeaway from that is that America is today an economy and p perhaps can be applied to economies around the world that uh, these economies are increasingly financialized. It's no longer about uh, the real economy anymore, but it's about banks uh, trying to make uh, money through the financial uh, financialization of the economy. And therein lies uh, the, the worry and the, the question that you asked mm. uh, because uh, you're saying that uh, the economies are, are big developed economies. Yeah, big countries. They're stable. But if you base too much of your bets on the banking and financial system and when that crashes, uh, there will be trouble. It, it I noticed exactly how you that. didn't say if, but when. So that's quite uh, telling as well. It's so doom and gloom, la, you guys. I know, but what to do? This is the <laughs> Watch that movie by Noam Chomsky. I mean, yeah. he's not the brightest, uh, he's not the happiest guy in well, the world. Well, Noam Chomsky <laughs> isn't exactly box office material. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, but he, he is good. He says good well, stuff. Of course he right? does, but you know, he doesn't look like Angelina Jolie. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm just lost for words uh, by your remarks, Chomsky. <laughs> Okay, you've been listening to the SM show with Peter Chuang and Julian Ng. We've got the news bulletin coming up at 10 o'clock. But first, Treason Animals by Franz Ferdinand. I'm Melissa Idris for the morning run, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.